Good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We are so glad that you are here today, whether you're here in person or watching online. Uh, we are here to praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's stand together and sing.
blessing, I'm going to tell you right now, you can start right now and you wouldn't get them all counted before the rapture took place. I will promise you that. So he's so good to us. If you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, thank you for doing so. Carolyn Morehouse, one of our uh, founding charter members uh, is, is watching. She faithfully does that every week. So hi, Carolyn. And also Gary and Alma, uh, Gary and Anita Webb. Uh, Gary's been going through some radiation and so they've been watching at home and we're so glad. I'll be praying for both of them because they both have needs today. I got a phone call here about 10 minutes till 10. And the guy says, I, I, I'm in gas lamp area, and I want to come to your church. What time does the church start? I said, well, 10 o'clock. He said, well, I probably won't make it because I'm walking. I said, well, uh, I said, well, at first he said, I, I probably won't make it uh, because I, I won't have time. And I said, well, you know what? If you're in gas lamp, it's only about 15 maybe minutes or so, 18 minutes over the bridge. He said, can you walk over the bridge? And I said, yeah. I said, what's really good about that is they'll give you an escort uh, about halfway over, and you may not make it in time for church, however, so, uh, but uh, I don't know if he's going to make it or not, but I'm glad that you all made it here today, and let's just thank the Lord together for the many, many, many blessings he gives to us. Father, we are a blessed people. I was thinking about that this week, dear God, and just thankful for a home to live in, thankful for a car to drive thankful for a church to go to and to attend, to worship in, thankful for people who are here uh, leading us in, in worship and the music and, and people are working in the nursery and people are working with our teens and people are working in the sound booth and, uh, and, and to have a secretary who takes care of all that needs to be taken care of, to have a wife who is so absolutely supportive in ministry and so helpful, to be able to uh, do the things that we do and to have the things that we have, not have war in our country, on our streets, Father, like some countries are going through right now. The blessings that you give us are just amazing, Lord, and it may not always be that way. So we need to express our gratitude to you, Lord, together, and we do so. Thank you for being such a good, good God to us, a good Father. Lord, we thank you for loving us so much that you gave your only begotten Son who died on the cross by crucifixion so that we could have everlasting life by putting our faith, our trust, our confidence in not ourselves, but in you. Thank you, Lord, for loving us that much. Bless us today and feed us from your word, we ask in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, 
Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We're so glad to have you here. If you are a first-time guest here at First Baptist Church, there are these connection cards that are in the seat backs in front of you, and I'd ask you to do us a favor, please, and that is take this out, fill it out, give us your contact information. If you have any questions or prayer requests, whatever, you can go ahead and fill those out as well, and then put it in the offering box, which is back by the double doors. It's a brown box on a stand with a cross on top. Go ahead and put them in there, or you can give it to me or to my wife or to the secretary, whoever looks official around here. Go ahead and give it to them, uh, and we're so glad that, to have you here. We'll send you, if you'll fill this out and turn it in, we will send you a Starbucks card uh, and hope and appreciation for your being here. So today, going to be preaching Sermon on the Mount, part 11, Prayer and the Golden Rule. Uh, windsurfers, our teens, will be meeting Evidently, there's a traffic problem on the strand, and so they're kind of stuck right there right now, but uh, they're on their way, and there is someone back there on the patio for you, so if you're a teenager, go ahead and go back there, and you'll have your class as soon as they get here. Next Sunday is Sermon on Mount Part 12, the conclusion of the sermon. Believe it or not, we're actually coming to the end of the study on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, It's been 12 weeks, 12 parts, but uh, come and we'll try to finish it up next week. Saturday, November the 25th, from 10.30 to 12.30, Convalescent Ministry. They'll be visiting Active Care at Rolling Hills Ranch, 850 Duncan Ranch Road. All this information is in your bulletin, and uh, I would appreciate if you would go ahead and uh, check that out. If you can help out, that would be good. I'm going to have Debbie Jasperson give us an announcement about something coming up very, very special here in the near future. Good morning, First Baptist. Morning. Um, So not too long ago, we used to have Christmas on the Prado or Christmas at Balboa Park. But unfortunately, as the world has tried to erase Christmas, um, it has become December nights. Um, I have been uh, performing in uh, just for a couple of years at Christmas Story Tree. I don't know if any of you have been. Show of hands. Has anyone been to Christmas Story Tree? So this is one of those things that you all need to try to go to this year. Um, We have three performances, December 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Ladies, don't miss the tea on the 2nd. But the the 1st and the 2nd are at 8.30 p.m. Sunday is um, is actually the best day to go. It's at 5.30, um, and you don't have to deal with the traffic, and it's an encore performance. But the Christmas Story Tree has been uh, just a part of the San Diego tradition for over 35 years. Christmas Story Tree tells the traditional biblical story of Christmas through song and still dramatic scenes. The program includes includes a 33-foot Christmas tree. If any of you have been to Balboa in the area and you see that giant tree, that's what that's about. Um, It's both a lighting marvel and it opens up in the middle and there's scenes from uh, the story of the birth of Christ in Bethlehem over 2,000 years ago. The choir and orchestra are made up of members of many local churches and community members, and they tell the story through worships and singing of familiar Christmas hymns and carols. Start your Christmas season by attending December nights this year, please. Um, Also, uh, through many of the years, a single church was kind of the lead of it, and that church has bowed out of it. So now um, we are just continuing through donations only. So if you're able, I believe the, uh, the website is up there, and there's a place for you to link. Um, there's a link for you to click on, and you can donate um, as little or as much as you want. But I highly encourage you to do so, mostly because this is one of the final 
Christmas, true Christmas story events that's allowed in the park. And we don't want Satan to win and erase Christmas from this event. So please go if you get a chance to. It's awesome. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Debbie. And my understanding is you're going to be the angel on top of the tree. Is that right? (laughs) They're really in need of some volunteers, folks. They've got Debbie as the angel on top of the tree. So just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah, love you. Let me read this from my Baptist catechism. I often refer to my Baptist catechism. You've probably heard that if you've been attending here very often. Um, And I give the credit to my pastor at that time, Reverend Wickstrom, who took time to meet with several of his children once a week for a good part of the summer in 1955. Uh, The term catechism is not usually used by those of the Baptist persuasion. Uh, However, I think it's appropriate. A definition of catechism is a summary of the principles of Christian religion in the form of questions and answers used for the instruction of Christians. That very formative summer, we were led to memorize Psalm 23 and the Lord's Prayer and the Ten Commandments and the Beatitudes and some additional passages along with the Golden Rule. These scriptures became a firm foundation for an eight-year-old little boy because after that summer of meeting with the pastor and receiving Christ as my personal Savior, we moved, our family moved to another community And they didn't have that kind of a gospel-preaching church. By the way, it was First Baptist Church of Chicago Heights. Uh, But they didn't have the kind of church that preached the gospel, unfortunately, in the new community. So that summer, I credit with being extremely formative in my life as a Christian. The same summer, we moved away from the town we had lived in and unfortunately away from First Baptist Church where I was saved and where I began to be discipled. Today, it's with joy and fond memories that I preach on the golden rule do unto others as we would have them do unto you. This is, these are simple but profound words. May we remember them and live by them always. And that's the bulletin article for this week on Baptist Catechism. If you would like, would you join us by standing again as we continue to worship the Lord in song?
once again, the songs go so well with the message today. And I want you all to know that it's not a coincidence when that happens that Shira plans what is sung to go along as much as possible with the message. And so I appreciate you doing that, Shira, and I appreciate praise team singing so beautifully, so wonderfully. Father, be with us this, during this service. May we glorify you. May your word be preeminent. May we bring honor and glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. And I'm going to ask the boys and girls to come on up here. Are there matrons here? I understand that water polo champions are the Coronado High School water polo team. Is that right? All right. God bless you guys. That is great. That is super appreciated. We are proud of those kids. I, I was on campus when they came to, did you hear about this? When they, they came to school this week, I was in my police uniform and I, I, I tried to arrest them, but your son outran me. I couldn't catch him, so there's no wonder about that. All right, boys and girls. By the way, moms and dads, everybody else, you got your Bible? Turn to chapter 7 of Matthew. How many have your Bibles? Let me see your Bibles. You've got your iPad, whatever it is, okay? Uh, Matthew chapter 7, boys and girls. How many of you know or who knows what the golden rule is? Does anybody know what the golden rule is? Anybody? The golden rule is to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. What does that mean? That means treat other people the way you would like them to treat you. You know who said those words first time? Take a guess. That's right. He said it through Jesus, his son. So Jesus said, do unto others as you would like them to do unto you. But what if people are mean to you? Should you still treat them the way you want them to treat you? Yes, you should. And what about if you don't feel like being nice to them? Should you still treat them the way you want them to treat you? Absolutely. And what if you treat them really good and you're kind to them like you want them to be and they're mean back at you? Should you still treat them the way you want them to treat you? Absolutely, because God will take care of it. We can't help what others do but we can help what we do, and we are to treat people the way we want to be treated. Let's do what Jesus said to do. Let's pray, okay? Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for every young man, every young lady here this morning. We pray your blessings upon the teachers as they break the bread of life. Lord, I know how important it is to have, as as a young boy, eight years old, the word of God poured into my mind and my heart, and I pray that these teachers would do the same for these children In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. Go ahead and go to your classes, boys and girls. There you go. It's exciting. Matthew chapter 7, believe it or not, we're coming to the home stretch for the study on the Sermon on the Mount. I had no idea. I promise you, I had no idea. I've never preached the the whole series on the Sermon on the the Mount. And so when it came to the life of Christ and came to the part with the Sermon on the Mount, I thought, well, you know, we'll spend a couple of weeks on that probably because there's a lot of material there. And so here we are now, part 11, and going to finish it up, the Lord willing, next week. Uh, But I confess I kind of hate to leave this teaching, and I kind of hate to leave this study uh, because it's been a real blessing to me. I hope it has been uh, to you. But we will continue with the Life of Christ series after the holidays. Now, here's what I'm planning on. On the 19th next week, we'll have the conclusion to the Sermon on the Mount, which is a series of parables, actually, if you want to study ahead of time. But then on the 26th, I just feel like it's important 
uh, in the light of what's going on today in Israel, to do a prophetic sermon uh, having to do with the day of the Lord and having to do specifically with Armageddon versus Gog and Magog. And if you don't know what a Gog or a Magog is, uh, look it up in your concordance. It's in Exodus or it's in Ezekiel. You can look through all Exodus. You're not going to find it there. Look in Ezekiel chapters 38, 39. Uh, there's a lot of confusion about it. I, I don't pretend to have all the answers. I'm doing all the studying I can do to try to get the uh, order of events right. But it's amazing. Uh, those two studies, the Armageddon and the Gog and Magog, are amazing. And I'm just so taken by that. I, I feel like God wants me to say something about it on November the 26th. So today's text covers two very important topics. The first one we sang about a few minutes ago topic of prayer. It's not the first time the topic of prayer is mentioned in the Sermon on the Mount. You'll remember what's called the Lord's Prayer. Uh, the Lord gave the disciples a, a template for praying, and it, we call it the Lord's Prayer, really the disciples' prayer, right? The Lord's Prayer is in John 17. That's when he prayed for that great intercessory prayer for us. But uh, but, but prayer is very, very important, obviously. And then the golden rule is, and we'll finish up that particular message today by doing, talking about these two things. So the first point is praying in addition to the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. For everyone that receive, asks receives and he that seeks finds. And to him that knocks, it shall be open. Now, really simple words, ask. Everybody here knows how to ask. We ask people for favors. We ask people for uh, directions. We ask people to explain what they said because we didn't get it the first time. Uh, we ask to, and, and this word in the Greek in which it is written um, uh, means to request or to beg. So it's not just a simple ask, Okay. It's not just, uh, Peter, when's your birthday? You know, that, that's a simple question. Maybe, I don't know, the older I get, the more I have to get my calculator out and figure it out, you know. Uh, but, uh, but this means to request uh, or to beg, and it's, it's not to be a one-time thing. It's not the idea of ask, okay, I ask, that's over with. It is in construction here, a continuous action indicated. So this word involves the seeking uh, of something over and over and over, uh, not pure repetition, but wanting, uh, needing, and so asking for whatever that particular thing is, whether it's uh, food, housing, jobs, something for your family, whatever it might be. So the word also involves, besides requesting or begging and continuous action, it's the seeking of someone inferior from someone who is superior. So that would be, now what, what do I mean by that? Um, in the pecking order at home, you would have the child as the inferior, not saying the child is an inferior child, uh, saying that they're not a, well, I'm sorry, Sarah, I didn't mean that, but uh, not that the child is, in, but, but it means someone who is subordinate to, I should put it that way, probably, uh, to the other. So it's the subordinate requesting, begging from someone who is their superior. Now, we have some examples of it in the Scriptures in the New Testament, Acts chapter 12, verse 20. Uh, now Herod was very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. So, he, so they sent, that's the inferior, the subordinates, they were under his control. They sent a delegation to make peace. 
Now, the idea of make here, the verb make, is the idea of desired, requested, or begged. It's the same word that's used of ask and it shall be given you. So they were asking, begging, pleading with, desiring uh, with him this peace because the cities were dependent upon Herod's country for food. So there's the inferior uh, in a continuous act, uh, action asking the superior uh, by begging. A second example is in Acts chapter 3, verse 2. A certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask, and again there's that word, which means to request or to beg, to ask alms, which you, you recall when we talked about uh, alms, that's good works or good deeds, often involving giving uh, monetarily to someone who was in need. Uh, of them that entered the temple. So he was, he was not able to get there on his own. He was not able to uh, walk at all. He was carried to the gate. He was laid there by the gate, and he would beg. That's what they did. They had no social security system. They had very little in the way of support for those that were homeless and those that were destitute or those that were not able to work a full-time job. So his full-time job, in effect, was begging outside of the temple gate called Beautiful, the Beautiful Gate and depended upon the giving uh, of people who were going there. So, so in this sense, he was a beggar, so he was inferior to the superior, which were the people going to the temple. Not that they were better because they're going to the temple, okay? So idea of subordinate to someone that's, uh, that's over them somehow. It's also uh, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 9, that we have what man is there, and that comes in the verses following, uh, whom if his son asks for bread, if your son begs for bread, if your son desires bread, wants bread, really bad, wants bread, Dad, I'm hungry, I am starved. You got a teenager? Have you had a teenager? They can sit down to a seven-course meal, get up and say, I'm hungry, and go to the refrigerator and start, seeing, start grazing in the refrigerator, right? Uh, so, so what man is there, what person of you, if your son asks for a request or begs for bread, that you'll give him a stone? That'd be kind of cruel, wouldn't it? Dad, I'm starving. I'm starving. Here, here's a brick. Chew on it. <laughs> Chew on that. You won't do that. Or if he asked the same word, begs or desires a fish, who of you is going to give him a serpent? First of all, I'm not going to reach down and pick up the stupid serpent. I'm not going to do it. So, so your son wants bread. You don't give him a stone. He wants fish. You don't give. You take him to Rubio's. You don't, you know, hand him a serpent. Uh, and so there's the, the the inferior, if I can use that terminology again, inferior with the superior, the parent uh, requesting, begging for something, continuous action, uh, inferior to of the superior. And then by a man from God in Matthew chapter seven, verse seven. Uh, uh, in the text, we've already read that. Uh, but then also in James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, beg of God, desire of God, continuously ask God. I don't know about you, I, I run out of wisdom every morning about 6.35. I get up about 6.30. It doesn't last a real long time. So I have to continually ask God, for wisdom and how to deal with situations involving life and involving the church, involving people, involving uh, family, whatever. So if you lack wisdom, you're to ask continuously the inferior, 
the believer, asking of the superior, God Almighty. He gives it to all men liberally, and he won't chide you for it. He upbraids not, King James says. He, he won't chide you for asking for wisdom. He's not going to be bothered by you asking for wisdom. He may be bothered by us not asking for wisdom and making our own choices, assuming that we have our own best interests in mind, which we don't always have. So it's found in, in Matthew 7. It's found in James chapter 1, verse 5. And then in 1 John 3, 22, and whatsoever we ask, there's that word, begging, desiring strongly, continuously asking in fear for the superior, whatever, whatever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing to sight. Now, there's a little problematic situation here that I'm going to address in just a moment, but I'm not quite there, I'm not quite there yet. Uh, if we ask, it will be given of us. It will be bestowed upon us. Now, here's the, the sticky part. Do we always, do you always, do I always get exactly what we ask for? I don't. If you do, I want to hang around with you a little bit more. Um, we'll talk about that in a minute, but just keep that thought in your mind. Do we always receive? And it seems like it's saying whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. In another place we're told, we have not because we ask not. So one of the reasons we maybe don't have whatever it is, is because we didn't ask to begin with. And maybe in that asking, we didn't beg, we didn't plead, we didn't uh, desire strongly in a continuous action way, uh, or maybe we didn't humble ourselves and come as the inferior to the superior. I, I don't know, but we have not because we ask not. James chapter 4, verse 2, you lust and you have not, you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. So that, and the word desire there is a whole different word. It's a different Greek word. It means to be zealous. You, you desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war and you have not because you ask not. Uh, so, so there's the, the deal about sometimes we don't get what we want because we haven't asked. Then there's other times we don't get it because we would consume it upon our lust. It's not the best thing for us. So the question is, do we ask of God? And I haven't forgotten about answering, do you get everything you Ask for from God. I'll be there in a minute. The second word here besides ask is seek. And the Greek word is zeteo. It means to strive to find, to strive, work at finding. To seek God means to turn to him, strive humbly and sincerely to follow and obey him, to look for him in every situation because he's there. Do you realize he's in every situation in your life, even when things aren't going well? Even when you walk through that valley of the shadow of death, even when you're being persecuted, even when things are problematic, even when the doctor's diagnosis is bad, he is there in that situation. So to seek him means to strive humbly and sincerely to follow and obey him and to, to, to try to get there. In Acts chapter 17, verse 27, they that, would, they, that should seek the Lord... Uh, if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. So we should seek the Lord, strive to find him. Romans 10, 20, but Isaiah is very bold and said, I was found of them and that sought me not. They weren't looking for him. I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. 
But to Israel, he said, listen to this, all day long, I have stretched forth my hands to a disobedient and gainsaying people, rebellious people. So, uh, and they didn't seek him. And sometimes uh, we maybe ask for something out of our, driven by our own desires, our own strong desires, if I can use the word, our own lusts, but we're not willing to strive after God. We're not willing to work at finding him and finding his perfect will in our life. So have you sought God's will? Have you tried to figure out what God would have you doing to be doing right now? Have you, uh, you young guys and gals in the military, maybe we'll get out in a year or two or three or whatever. Have you thought about, is God maybe touching you about some kind of ministry, about preparing for ministry while you have the time and opportunity? Um, seek after him. The Bible says if we draw, if, if we draw near to God, he will what? Draw near to us. Isn't that great? If we draw near to him, he'll draw near to us. It's kind of like, uh, you know, it's just it's this reciprocal uh, desire to be close to and intimate with and, and, and to enjoy each other in a, in a wonderful way. So if we draw near to him, he'll draw near to us. But if we resist Satan, he will what? Flee from us. He's a powerful entity. And by the way, have you noticed the number? By the way, Halloween. What in the world? I think I mentioned this the other day uh, before Halloween. We had we some new neighbors moved in. We need to go say hi to them. And, and I wasn't going for a while because they got a, people there with chainsaws up in the air and spooks hanging from everything and cobwebs everywhere and uh, demonic pumpkin faces. And uh, I mean, what is with this stuff? It's, it's, it's one of the most, I think it's the second or third most decorated holiday in our country. Halloween? Really? This emphasis in TV programs on spiritism and, and, and movies on spiritism. And you, 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 draw, you draw near to Satan, and he's going to be all over you or in you. You resist him, he will flee from you. So you don't want the devil running your life. Stay away from the uh, fortune telling. Stay away from the horoscope. Stay away from the, uh, you know, I guess I, I just read my fortune uh, in the uh, fortune cookie at the Chinese restaurant. That's, what a hypocrite. What? <laughs> Golly, I'm going to give an invitation. I'm going to be the first one forward. Three. But you know what? Uh, here, this emphasis on we're to, we're to draw near to God, draw near to him, to seek him. Do, do we seek him every moment? If we get up at 6.30 in the morning and we pray for wisdom at 6.35, do we then spend some time seeking God? Every day, Rick, every day in the word of God, every day seeking his direction, his guidance. Every decision we make need to, it needs to be uh, the Holy Spirit needs to be all over it. Have you sought out God? Have you looked for him? Are you looking for his will for your life? What Are we just going through motion and just letting things happen? If we seek him, the Bible says we will find him. This is also a continuous action, the seeking, and it's also the inferior to the superior, just like the other two. Um, but it, it now usually this word seek um, in the Greek means 
to find without seeking, but metaphorically, it means to find out by inquiry or to learn or to discover. So it's kind of interesting. Uh, in the literal sense, it means you just happen on something, to seek, you happen on it. But in the metaphoric sense, it means that you, you strive to do so, which is the way it's translated in the English version. John 18, 38, Pilate said to them, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said unto them, I find in him no fault at all. I find no fault in him at all. I've tried. And he did. I think Pilate tried to get Jesus off the hook. I think he tried to get the charges dismissed. I think he pled with the nation of Israel and the Jewish leaders uh, to, to let him go. I find no fault in this man. I, I think he's innocent. You need to let him go. If Pilate had only acted on that knowledge, it would have been much better off for him. So we're to seek, we're to ask, we're to seek, we're to knock. Again, continuous action to wrap at the door for entrance. There are many doors that cannot be opened on our own. Acts chapter 12, verse 13, Peter was in prison. You remember that? Peter is chained to guards. He's in behind locked doors, got bars on the prison, and, and uh, uh, the angel comes and wakes him up, and chains fall off, and the doors swing open, and the angel has to smack him a little bit, get him moving around, and he goes over uh, to the house of, of Rhoda, uh, where Rhoda was, and he knocked at the gate, and, the, and Rhoda came to the gate, and there was Peter. And they were inside the house having a prayer meeting. They were asking, they were seeking, they were knocking. Peter's out there knocking, and Rhoda says, Peter's out there, he's out of jail, he, the chains fell off, the gates are open. They said, oh, you're just, uh, you're just that's hopeful, thing, wishful thinking. You just get, get back in here and pray. And, and there the answer to the prayer was at the door. This idea of knocking is spoken of that which is closed behind or covered over. It's not easily accessible by us. It's an antonym uh, for those to keep quiet or silent. So we're not to keep quiet or silent. We're continuously be knocking on the door of heaven, knocking. So every once in a while, someone says to me, Preacher, I, just, I don't want to bother God with my, my problems. Let me tell you something. You don't bother God when you bring your problems to him. He wants to, he's there for you. He wants to help you. So don't be quiet or be silent about it. Knock, and the Bible says it shall be opened unto you. We are to knock on God's door and to keep on knocking inferior to the superior until he opens. And don't forget, Jesus is on the other side of the door in Romans 3.20 where he says, Behold, I, Jesus, stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come to him and will sup with him and he with me. I tried to make this next chart, this next slide, uh, and it, it wasn't, it's not real good, but it's, it's a way to remember these three uh, requests and results, okay? It's it, the, the acrostic ask for, to ask for, A, ask, S, seek, K, knock, and if you, if you do seek, you'll find F, and then O will be opened unto you, and R, you'll receive. So it's just a little acrostic to help you remember uh, Matthew chapter 7 to ask for those, those th different actions. Now, here's the disclaimer, okay? Not disclaiming the truth of the Word of God, please understand. It's, it's a disclaimer as to do I get every prayer answered that I pray? 
And my answer is no, but here's what it says from one of the commentaries that I consulted. The commands of verses 7 and 8 are in the present tense suggesting persistent prayer over a period of time. It will be done. It, in verse 7, is somewhat misleading. The word does not refer to any particular thing requested, but forms part of a divine passive construction and means ask and God will give you what he deems best. God will give you what he deems best. Often our prayers are not answered as originally desired because we do not share God's perspective in knowing what is ultimately a good gift for us. There's all kind of, I thought I had some examples here, but people pray, Lord, let me, let me win the lottery. God, please let me, if you let me win the lottery, I'll, I'll buy a new steeple for First Baptist Church. Lord, I promise you, I'll tithe on it. Well, that's big of you. Get a half billion dollars and you'll tithe. That's really great. You know, that's, and it is, it is good. By the way, someone says, do you, would you take a, a tithe from someone who won the offering without blinking an eye? <laughs> the devil had it long enough. Let's give part of it to God. So, uh, yeah, have God bless. So, so some, but we don't always know what ultimately a good gift is. How many of you, no, raise, don't raise your hands. No raising hands. How many of you prayed for that person you wanted to marry but it's not the person you're married to right now. Don't, no, don't raise your hands. <laughs> I don't have any time for counseling today. The Chargers are playing at one, so. <laughs> the theologian Garth Brooks said, thank God for unanswered prayers. Thank God for unanswered prayers. But sometimes... What we ask for would do us more harm than it would good. And sometimes the things we ask for, we couldn't be trusted with. And sometimes it would lead us into paths that would be not glorifying to God. Each of these terms used presents what we desire of God in a different light. We ask for what we wish for. We seek for what we miss. We knock for that from which we feel ourselves shut out. So answering his threefold representation is a triple assurance of success in our believing efforts. Ask and you will find. Seek, ask and you'll be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Now, so he illustrates it this way. In Matthew 7, verse 9, what man is there of you if his son asks for, again, a request, begging, a lesser to a greater, continuous action. If he asks for bread, you give him a stone. Or if he asks for fish, we give him a serpent. If you being evil, and what he means here, if you being sinful, you being a sinner by nature, flawed, maybe saved, maybe you trust in Christ, but you're, you're still flawed. I am too. All of us are. No, if you know how to give good gifts, benevolent gifts, to your children, how much more does our Heavenly Father, who is not flawed, know how to give good things to us? How much more? And by the way, the bread here, spiritual bread or physical bread? Well, he's, the illustration is asking for physical bread, and you got to have physical bread. That's why James says if you see someone who's hungry and you say, well, God bless you, that doesn't fill his stomach up. 
you got to give them a hamburger along with that, God bless you, to help out that, that empty stomach. But, but I'll tell you what else, spiritual bread is even more important. What, I, I've seen the meme on Facebook, so it must be true, of some bread company that this time of the year puts on their, uh, something on their bread about man shall not live by bread alone. They just do it at certain seasons of the year. I can't remember what brand was. Uh, but we need that spiritual bread from Almighty God. Physical food is necessary for physical existence. Spiritual bread is necessary for, for uh, eternal life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life in John 6, 48. Another disclaimer from another theologian uh, says, the good gifts God gives include everything that pertains to seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, uh, Matthew 6, They do not necessarily correspond for everything that we want to ask for, like win the lottery, like uh, get a job, like win the affection of another person, like healing from a disease. That's the hardest, that's a hard thing. Uh, I, I remember one time, maybe seven years ago, and I was preaching on prayer and, and God answering our prayers and whatsoever you ask, and, and I had, unbeknownst to me, I had a couple visiting in the service who had lost their son, who, uh, I can't remember, he was very young though, and he had died, and they got very offended. I, I just didn't explain it correctly, I'm sure. They got very offended at the idea of if you, if you ask in faith that you'll receive because they didn't receive a healing for their son. God doesn't always heal everybody. The ultimate healing is being in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know that, right? That's the ultimate healing. So last point here is doing. Matthew 7, 12, therefore all things whatsoever you would that men do unto you, do also even to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Or if you want a newer translation, do to others whatever you would like them to do unto you. This is the essence of all that's taught in the law and the prophets. And so that is the, the golden rule. In Luke chapter 6, verse 31, it's framed this way, do to others as you would like them to do to you. So we're to treat people the way we would like people to treat us. James also refers to this. Do you know that? It's called the royal law. Uh, in James chapter 2, verse 8, if you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. Paul also references the golden rule in a little different language. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, the golden rule. Man, wouldn't that take care of a lot of problems in our homes, in our neighborhoods? Yeah. So we got this neighbor. This is not going out to anyone other than our own people, right? Okay. Uh, we got this neighbor, and, and, and they have like, I don't know how many people live in their house. They have like a half a dozen cars, maybe seven or eight cars. I don't know. And they love to park them right in front of our house, and, and one of them's leaking oil, you know. And so I, part of me, the, the old nature. which hardly ever shows up anymore, but it's there. Uh, wants to do stuff. Wants to inform this person that's not very nice to take the one parking space in front of our house and leave your car there for a whole week at a time without moving it. It's also against law. But the saved part of me says, now, Jimmy, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. So I don't let the air out of his tires. I don't leave nasty notes on his car. 
It'd take care of a lot of things. It'd take care of what's going on in the Middle East right now. If we would do to others what we would have them do unto us, it would take care of Ukraine and Russia. It would take care of every fractured home. It would take care of every problem, every relationship situation if we would only do as we would have people do unto us. You see why I say in my Baptist catechism, to me, those verses that we memorized were so foundational. Because from the time I was 8 years old until I was 16 years old, I wasn't in a church that preached the Word of God. I was in church. Don't remember any gospel messages from that church I was in. A couple of churches I was in. I've told you this. I do remember in the one church I was in, the pastor getting up in his robe, choir behind us up high, and he talked about, having been to Chicago to a seance and what an enlightening experience it was and how that he thinks everybody ought to go to at least one seance. And I'm sitting there as a kid going, what? I mean, the Holy Spirit in me just said, that's not right. But memorizing some key verses as a child get me out of a lot of foolishness. Get me out of a lot of bad stuff. And I thank God for that pastor. So what have we learned this week? Prayer is a privilege. Prayer is a commandment. Prayer is to be continuous activity. Paul says it this way, never stop praying. Pray without ceasing. Secondly, we're to strive to seek him. That requires and has the idea of work. Yeah, it's work. Yeah, you got to fit in that devotion every day. You've got to make time for God. Uh, sometimes I, uh, one, th- this time change Sunday, I've been waking up at like two in the morning, you know, like, what is this? You know, uh, and, and so I decided I'd go in early to ride, do a ride along at the police department because I was so blooming awake anyhow. So uh, I got up and went. Uh, but I, then I, when I do that, I mess up my routine, so I didn't have my devotional time in the morning. So later on, after uh, doing a ride-along and then coming to church and working and, and then going home, uh, I was going to play a little video game, a little backgammon. And yeah, Dan, <laughs> I need a rematch too. I really do. And so, so I was going to play a little backgammon, and, and all of a sudden I said, wait a minute, you didn't spend time with God this morning. Ooh. That's right. By the way, I want you to pray for the officer. I won't say his name, but it was a nonstop, like four hours of him asking about God and about how to life and the meaning of life. I mean, it's nonstop on his part, just just peppering me with questions. You don't know who it is, but God does, so pray for him. So I... Suppressed the urge to play backgammon, and I went to my Bible study and my devotional, and I thank God for reminding me of that, because I need that much more than I need backgammon. I need walk with God more than I need anything. We're to strive to seek Him. We're to search for Him. Sometimes when things like that happen, it's late at night when I'm getting ready to go to bed, when I remember, oh man, you didn't have your time, and so I, I make time, and it's it's it's... It's work to do it because I'm tired and I want to go to bed. 
Thirdly, we're to knock on heaven's door, seeking him and his favor. God is the one who opens doors. But that's right. He's also the one, Bob said, that closes them. Exactly right. Number four, just as we who are flawed love to give good things to our children, so God who is not flawed, even more so, likes to give good gifts to his children. He wants to give you good gifts. So last of all, treat others how you want to be treated. Not necessarily how you are treated or have been treated, but how you'd like to be treated. How many have seen the film Fireproof? Great Christian film about a couple struggling in their relationship, struggling in their marriage, and how that the man is confronted with the idea that he needs to treat his wife as the most wonderful person in his life like he should anyhow, regardless of how she treats him, regardless of how she responds. That's kind of a basic summary of that film. And he starts, he keeps a diary. I think it's a 40-day diary where he does, every day he does something extraordinary for her. And you know what it does? It changes him and it changes her. Treat others as you would like to be treated. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Let me ask you a question. Think about this before you raise your hand or before you don't raise your hand, either one. Think about this. Is there someone that comes to mind, maybe a neighbor, maybe your spouse, maybe a child, maybe an employer, maybe an employee. Is there someone who comes to mind that you say, preacher, I need to start treating that person the way that I would like them to treat me? Even though they don't seem to respond that well, even though they don't seem to care, Preacher, pray for me. I need to treat that person the way I want to be treated. Put your hand up. Hold it up real high. Real high. All over the building. Yeah, all over the building. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Father, you see the hands. You know the hearts. So I pray right now, God, that you would you would just indelibly impress upon our mind and our heart your principle of doing unto others as we want them to do unto us, not do unto others before they do unto us, not do unto others what they do unto us, but do unto others what we would have them do unto us. May not just be raising our hand and that's it. May we take this principle, this scripture, this holy, infallible, inspired, supernatural word of God to heart and may we implement it and watch you do amazing things. And even if those that we treat the way we want to be treated don't respond in a positive way, we are going to be blessed for doing what you've told us to do. Every head still bowed for just a moment. If you're here this morning and you'd like to receive Christ as your personal Savior, you'd like to be born again, you'd like to have your sins forgiven, washed away from you as far as the East is from the West, if you'd like to be able to just have all the shame and guilt gone, that's why Jesus died. That's why he shed his blood. That's why he was buried. That's why he rose again. It's to deliver you and deliver me. So if your desire is to receive him as your Savior right now, would you pray something like this in your own heart, in your own life? Just pray. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm going to stand before you one day. 
And I pray, God, that you would be my Savior right now. I pray you'd forgive me of my sins. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross and was buried and rose again. And I believe if I ask you to forgive me and to be my Savior, you will, because you said you will. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm calling on you right now, God. Save my soul. In Jesus' name, with every head still bowed for another moment, if you just prayed that prayer, would you raise your hand up? Hold it up high. God bless you and you. Thank you. Thank you. Put your hands down. Are there any others besides these? Anyone else besides these? Father, I'm so grateful for these two who raised their hands. And I pray that that salvation that you promised would be their possession right now, that they would accept it by grace through faith. God, I pray that they would not question their relationship with you, that their prayer was sincere. They, they want you to be their God and their Savior, and I pray that you would take away all their sins right now and make them part of your family. We pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, let's stand as we have a verse or two of invitation. And for those of you who raised your hands, receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior, right back by the sound booth in some blue plastic bags are some literature pieces of literature. I want you to grab one of those after the service and take it with you. But right now, as we have our invitation, if you want to come and have prayer, if you want to come and, and if there's something we can do for you, something you need, you want to know about being a member of the church or whatever it is, being baptized, you come right now as we sing. the Word of God is in making our lives better, making the world better, and making us fit for heaven one day, because we couldn't do it without Him. Amen? Amen. Couldn't do it without Him, but with Him, 
we're going to be eternally living in a place called heaven. So we thank God for that. Father, dismiss us now with your love. Go with us as we spend the rest of the Lord's day. May we honor you. May we glorify you. Thank you for each person here, we pray, and meet our needs. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great day today. Blessing.